0: Welcome to Careers Unwrapped, where we delve into real-life career stories from successful people who've been through it all, the ups and the downs. We'll get their raw, honest, actionable advice and be the careers talk they wish they'd had when they started out. As someone who has had a varied career, from soldier to salesman, expedition leader to entrepreneur, he knows firsthand that your career doesn't always lead you where you expect it to. Here's your host, Mark Fawcett. So, hello and welcome to Careers Unwrapped. I'm your host, Mark Fawcett, and with me today is Sarah Blacksmith. Sarah is the general manager of motion control at Siemens Digital Industries, and her career with Siemens spans almost 20 years now. So, she's also an industry advisor, she's a visiting fellow at Cranfield University. And hopefully, Sarah will be talking honestly, about her career highs and her lows, about working as a leader in engineering, offering perhaps some inspiration, maybe some reassurance for those of you who are just figuring out your own careers. So, Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mark.
0: I think for a bit of context, first of all, Sarah, what is motion control for all of us here?
1: Yes. Okay, so if I maybe start with the digital industries bit, so Siemens is a tech company so we sell hardware and software that helps factories and industry basically automate processes, be more competitive. So yeah, one part of that is motion control business unit, which is I'm um, responsible for. And so we have products that range from CNC controllers through to drives and inverters that basically control motion, control the output of a motor. So an example being baggage handling. So if any of you have been on holiday recently through one of the terminals in Manchester airports, for example, then drives control the baggage handling system. So you getting your bag through the control of drives, but through the control of motors, so it enables you to save energy, but also to obviously control the speed so everything's not running at the same speed all the time. You're controlling the motor. So, yeah, so it's a suite of, of products that I look after around sort of two areas really so yeah it's ace and
0: how many people are part of this how many are in your wider team
1: so we've got 21 people in my business unit and then there's about 500 people in Seamless digital industries in manchester well and around the uk and ireland so yeah i suppose that's one an interesting point in a way because it's not necessarily who i'm responsible for is just one tiny bit of it and actually it's the interface with all of the different areas that you need to be successful. So we've got our customer business center colleagues, we've got our sales colleagues, for example, and I need to be working well together with all of those people in order to be successful. It's not just about having the people that are directly reporting into me. So, but yeah, it's interesting dynamics to, and lots of different people to meet and develop develop good relationships with, which I think is key in anywhere you're working.
0: And what are you working on at the moment, if you're allowed to tell us? What's in your intray in the week ahead?
1: So a lot of my work is working together with our partners. So we go to market with a number of different companies that are partnering with Siemens Digital Industries. So I'll be talking to those people quite a lot. I'm going on, we have one of our customers, BA Systems, who manufacture defence equipment So they're coming into our Congleton factory for a visit. So I'll be going over to support that and do an introduction. So yeah, a mix of going in the office for for visits and things, meeting with customers, and then other topics around with our HQ, for example, like a call with our HQ to sort of uh, review our progress (laughs) and where we're up to, where we need support and where we need to do, make improvements and things like that. So it's a bit of a big bag (laughs) of things.
0: And does that also give you commercial, financial responsibilities in the role as well?
1: Yeah. So um I have two colleagues that work alongside me who are responsible who are commercial partners, if you like. But ultimately, yeah, we've got I've got profit and loss responsibility for the business unit that I look after. But a lot of it's done, like I say, with the support of, of others to make sure that they could translate some of that for me and help me make the right decisions and that we can bring the right people in to make those decisions as well. So yeah, it spans quite a lot of stuff that, as the guest, the title would give you general managers. There's a fair few bits to it, which I've only been in this role for a year and I moved from a manufacturing role. And so it was massively different coming into what's more of a sales and business unit lead role. So it was a big shock to the system.
0: I think it's something that we often surprise people with is that when we're talking to people in engineering roles, those might be software, hardware engineering roles, that it becomes far more than that. It becomes far more than being the engineer. It's about relationship building. There's commercial aspects, there's sales aspects to it. As you say, p and so there's business leadership aspects to it. When you started out, is that sort of breadth of opportunity, something you were aware of?
1: No. When I started and when I originally picked what I was going to do at A-levels, it was completely based on wanting to become a mechanic in an F1 team. (laughs) So I was like, I picked maths and physics at A-level and French. It was a bit random. And, yeah, so I picked those because I wanted to do mechanical engineering because I thought that was what I needed to do to be able to bag one of those roles so that didn't go to plan but we can talk about that later but really did not know when I part of the year and had to do a year in industry when I was at university and I joined Siemens at that point as an intern effectively yeah it was doing improvement sort of lean manufacturing training with the shop floor teams yeah and so I was just sort of seeing how it went really (laughs) just I didn't really like people talk about imposter syndrome. Well, I had a lot of that, you know, when you think like, I don't actually know anything. If someone's going to figure out that, I don't really know what I'm doing. So you do learn as you go along, don't you? When you overcome some of that. And then not in other times when you go into another new situation.
0: I think surely imposter syndrome stays with all of us. It's just how much of it you feel at any one point in time.
1: Totally. I think like Kudos to anyone that hasn't got it, and is so that is really self-assured because that's great, isn't it? As well, but I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I completely worry that I I don't know what I'm doing, and that someone's going to figure it out. But yeah, so I agree. I think everyone's got a bit of that, a bit of nervousness in them that they don't know, and actually they do. Or if you don't know, ask someone. Anyone will help. Certainly, that's the, the attitude, and in, in where I work, that. Ask any questions and we'll we'll figure it out together. So I'm all in for teamwork. I'm not one of these I couldn't be an individual contributor, you know, just solely relying on doing your own thing. I much prefer and everyone's different, but I I much prefer working together in teams. If we've got a big challenge, or vice versa, but if we've got a big challenge, for example, say we've got a find some productivity savings in my last role, we always had really quite tough targets. I didn't tend to panic about it because I thought, well, figure it out together. You know, <laughs> It's not all on me to figure it out because we've, that's why we've got everybody here so that we could all work together. So there's always people around you that will be able to help you if you ask for help.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of all forms of engineering, essentially problem solving and problem identifying and then problem solving. And so most problems are better solved by a combination of the skill sets, the brains, the attitudes that come together. And that's what you call teamwork. So yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And that uh, when we did, um, I did a workshop with one of my colleagues in Congleton when I was a gentleman called Kevin Dooley. And I remember he said, fail is first attempt is learning. Because to your point as well, you're not gonna problem solve any problem Unless you have a go at it, yeah, you'll fail. You learn something and then you'll try a different angle and then you'll fail. Or you, you know, it's about failing quickly, learning quickly and moving on. So, embrace the failure. Something good will come of it. Trying to think. I know that's not easy in the. So, when I got my A level result, I did shockingly bad. Like, I did really well in my GCSEs and then I did the A levels and it just did not go well. So, anyone that doesn't have a great A level result, Don't panic, even though I totally panicked at the time. And that's the first (laughs) reaction, isn't it? And I went into clearing and I did get a spot on a manufacturing engineering degree at Loughborough. And then went on, you know, and it was all fine. But at the time, I thought it was the end of the world, (laughs) as you do. And it's sort of like, it took me on a different track. But I think you meet different people then, you've got different opportunities and okay, it might not be what you thought you, it was going to be in the first instance, but often nothing is.
0: So how did you find university, actually? I mean, a lot of people go to university now, certainly considerably more go to university now than when I did. And was it a place of of working really hard for you, of playing really hard? Loughborough is known for its sport as well. How did you find that whole experience of of being at university?
1: Yeah, it was a Loughborough. and. I wasn't hugely supportive at the time and notoriously the Loughborough clubs are extremely difficult to get into because everyone is at is either county or national level, which I wasn't. But the engineering side of thing, like they'd literally just opened the Wolfson School of Engineering there and it was this brand new building. So we were walking, this is in 2000, which is like forever ago, isn't it? So. We, I remember walking in the paint, you could still smell the paint. It was like the queen must have felt whenever she walked in anywhere, <laughs> like a lick of paint. and uh... But yeah, I love say and I work better with structured learning. So and then again, it's totally fine if you don't. The amount of opportunities now for apprenticeships, which are brilliant, is huge. But yeah, for me, structured learning, it helps me and the more theoretical side first. It's good for me. I did a BN, a bachelor's undergraduate degree with a year in industry. And I, I would recommend if anyone gets an opportunity to do an internship or to do a year in industry, like that's definitely a good plan because it's always like a year long interview. But not that you have to be panicked by that, it's just that, <laughs> you know, be yourself and do a good job and enthusiastic, and people will see that in you. So, yeah, I was offered to be sponsored for my final year and onto the graduate program which, again, I didn't even go on to in the end. I joined, but then I an opportunity came up. And so it goes back to, especially now, things go off at tangents now. If you get an opportunity, go for it. There's not so much set career pathway, I don't think, anymore. more than... And so going and trying different things, you're only going to learn something and you're going to meet new people and potentially more opportunities and different opportunities will come from that. So, yeah, I definitely say... Don't think that your career is set. Like I thought, God, I didn't get my A-levels, that's the end of the world. It wasn't. Then I I went to do an internship effectively and then went on a different path to what I actually thought. So, yeah, be be completely open to trying different stuff, I would say. Embrace it. You can always change your mind and do something different later anyway, can't you?
0: (laughs) And Now, you've been at Siemens in a number of different roles, but you've been there for, I think, around or almost 20 years. And if somebody stays in an organization that long, something's working for them. It's almost the opposite of why do people leave companies? They leave because there's a lack of opportunity. They leave because the culture's not right for them. They leave because they're just not treated in a way that is right for them. What are the positive pieces of Siemens that have, have meant you've kept staying and moving into new roles?
1: I think definitely one is the opposite opportunities that you can get if you I think take ownership of your own career so nobody's going to do it my advice would be nobody's going to do it for you make those connections with different people learn different things say yes to things and look for opportunities and, and ask questions and be enthusiastic so I think if you do that definitely in Siemens that's a great way to go but the culture for me I really like the openness I caught We introduced something a while back called ownership culture, and it was where just taking ownership of your career, taking ownership of, if you're thinking about it as if it's your own company, then you're going to make the right decisions. So that's the way that people want, well, that Siemens wants you to be thinking, do the right thing. So there's a high level of giving people ownership, so a bit of autonomy, which I think is great, but it's really inclusive place to work as well. So. There's a lot of support available for, for different groups of, of people. We've got a lot of employee networks and it's really can give feedback quite openly. And that's not always the case, is it? It's, I mean, some people aren't really challenging to give feedback to, but generally it's a place where people are open to new ways of doing things. They're open to receiving feedback, which I think is key to make sure that we don't have a blame culture which I've seen, you see, in or you hear of things in different companies. And I think what we need to be doing is creating a safe space in our company, which I believe we have, so that we're not looking around us thinking we've got to protect ourselves from the people within the business. We're looking outwards thinking, right, you know, how do we make ourselves as competitive as possible? How do we make a difference in society? And how do we solve some of these biggest challenges? that we can help contribute towards so yeah i think creating a safe space to work is probably one of the main things if i was to have gibbered on so that was i think like if i was to pick one out i feel like it's a safe place to work where you can be yourself like you can bring your whole self to work and enjoy working here
0: so much better engineers making things better and they hopefully then leak through into the world for the rest of us just going about our lives and Just almost to illustrate how work makes a difference. So there are things that are in the rest of our lives that you've just, your work runs through to and make things better, makes things better quality, faster, cheaper. You mentioned earlier baggage control at Manchester airport and everyone has good stories and and a few people have horror stories about baggage control and airports. But, But what are you thinking? Do you know what? I made a difference there. My team made a difference.
1: That's a good question. I think I would probably, because I've spent more time in manufacturing, I feel that one, if you're, we're one using our own technology within the factory. If you've ever been to Congleton, so if anyone, I hadn't heard of Congleton before I started working there 11 years ago, but it's just 40 minutes south of Manchester and one of our factories is based in Congleton. There's about 500 people work there and it we In that factory, class ourselves as you know, trying to manufacture Siemens portfolio using Siemens portfolio. So, i.e., we're utilising our own tech wherever possible to give ourselves the advantage that all of our customers get. So, and through using that, you make yourself more efficient and more productive. And ultimately, what for me, what it's all about is remaining competitive, keeping manufacturing in the UK, and keeping those five hundred people. In a job for generations to come. That factory's been there for 1971. It was established. So what's that? So I'm crap at maths, believe it or not. Like 50 odd years, and we want it to be there for another 50 odd years, making the latest portfolio of drives and inverters. And so, for me, it's making UK PLC as competitive as as possible. So if that's putting an inverse on a motor or drive on a motor that makes it more efficient, that means your energy costs are being reduced, which means then you're paying less for energy, which in today's prices, every little, it can go a long way. Um, whether it's automating parts of factories, so there's a lot of portfolio that we sell in, in DI where you're making you're able then to automate things that people then don't have to spend time on and then they can spend time on more value-adding parts, parts of their role that they need to work on. Or they can save money on the processes, which reduces costs to the end users of whatever it is they're manufacturing. Again, it's keeping sustainable business and making us in the UK as profitable and as competitive as possible so that we keep manufacturing here. We keep jobs for all of the fantastic people that are listening to this podcast and made sure there's a great future for the UK to be making things because it's really important. And saw in COVID where it was highlighted our lack of manufacturing ability in certain areas, and there's a huge opportunity for us to grow the manufacturing industry and some fantastic people and amazing opportunities for engineers and potential engineers of the future to to join us and keep the UK a fantastic place to work which I think it is, we come up with fantastic innovations and new ways of doing things like you mentioned before. So we need to keep doing that. We need to keep putting new tech in, whichever, whoever's tech it might be, and whoever working together to solve some of these big problems. But I'm keen on UK manufacturing.
0: I think that interestingly connects to a question that we had sent in by one of our listeners, a Chris starter themselves, which is that in a competitive and technology-driven field, how do you and your team actually stay at the forefront of innovation?
1: I mean, for us in the region, we're more of a sales um, function, but ultimately, even in sales, it's about thinking, right, how can we do things differently? How do we need to change our messaging? And what new technologies are coming out from our HQ that we can say, right, what's the value in this to our customers? Um but from a manufacturing point of view, it's in in our Congleton factory, if I take it, for example, we've got an innovations manager whose sole job it is to look at, you know, make sure that one, we're creating an environment where people can be creative. So the R&D team in, in Congleton has Fridays, up, like not off, but they have like fun Fridays where they just do different activities, try and stimulate different ways of doing things so that you come up with new ways of thinking. And similarly with the manufacturing team. I mean, it's a bit more controlled because you sort of you're working within processes that need to be approved. But yeah, putting people in those different scenarios and different ways that they wouldn't normally work, so that you can try and simulate, Right. Well, let's move people around so that you can see a new process that's not new process, a process brand new to your eyes, and see. Well, does what we're doing here make sense? Like, is there any ways that you would You'd look at it and go, why on earth are we doing it like that? We can cut that bit out completely and we can start again. So I think, as always with me, it tends to come back to the people. Like, are you creating an environment where people can be creative, where they can think differently, where they're not, where you're protecting people from any pressures that they might be coming from the HQ? You've got that environment where people feel safe again, where they, because ultimately if we don't feel safe, But we're not gonna be creative because we're gonna be too worried about the things that are going on around us and not being able to focus on doing something different and thinking of new ways of working. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah. I know that one of and this links into to what you're saying. I know one of your passions and mission almost is to get more women and girls into engineering. Let's start with your what are you doing about that? What do you get involved with?
1: Yeah, so We run different sessions with, for example, our Siemens Mobility team do a lot of having days where we bring girls from different universities in and we run sessions. So I've been involved in a number of those. Similarly, we have a lot of competitions, not just for girls, but for students coming from universities. And there's a lot more girls than there used to be, which is fantastic. So helping to, I do like, you know, do intros and stuff and then, as a mentor for quite a few people as well. So I do like quite a lot of mentoring for different, again, not just for women, but for for men as well. But I think it's interesting because Mark Wood is our school and community manager in Siemens PLC. And we've definitely moved more now instead of just running all-girl events, that it's actually the take-up is better if you run it where anyone can come. Obviously then still focus on trying to get more, girls more women to join the sessions and things so yeah we started to try and move more to that way rather than having it specific like that we've got women's network that i'm a member of again we run different sessions first supporting everyone again but focusing on how we can actively support females and women in our company yeah and in the past we've run like when I was at Congleton we used to run like this stick explosion exercise event you know just like activities where we'd get girls in and talk them through about what careers are open to you what are they interested in doing what would a career in engineering or in manufacturing look like so yeah there's a raft i guess
0: that's what that's just a, a small bit of what you're doing personally a small bit of what Siemens are doing overall we know that across the UK, and you are quite sort of strong almost in your passion for UK manufacturing, UK PLC and that side of things. There are statistics report from government sector otherwise saying that we're gonna be well over a hundred thousand short in terms of the number of engineers that we need just in the next few years. And engineering is it still has a reputation for and statistically it is quite male dominated quite white male dominated what do you think needs to happen at a a bigger level a sector level even a government level to encourage more young people to go down a path which is going to lead them into these sort of sectors
1: i mean personally i feel like the more role models that we could highlight the better you know because and that then but it's also when you're talking about schools and careers advice to kids and like you mentioned before, you know, it's not fantastic, but even in the school, I think it's one, it's partly government, but one, it's partly companies, companies going in, partnering with schools and making them aware of what is available. What could a career look like for you in engineering, but doing that a lot earlier. So I can't remember where I heard it, but almost down to primary school level, you have to get, get to kids really early sort of influence where they they'll see themselves to influence because there's so many bloody stereotypes isn't there now like there are like you know we have still got it in the language that we use if someone says a doctor you think it's a male straight away don't you because it's been ingrained like I even think like that because you just you're so used to it so part of it is cultural and and all of us recognizing the language that we're using and that we don't automatically assume that an engineer equals a man. And that when we're talking to really young kids, that we get rid of the genders when we're talking about any role, not just an engineering one. So yeah, I think starting really early at schools, putting engineering front and center, all of the STEM side of things, like right from that younger year. This is my personal view. So like, is anyone listening for all the schools and that? But because when you go into schools, I think we've had examples where you offer to provide, for example, equipment for doing different things, but the teachers then don't know how to use them. So if they don't know how to use them, you can donate as much equipment as you like, but it ain't going to get used because they'll. it's like any of us. If you don't know how to do something and you've not been shown, you'll just be like, oh, we'll, we'll just leave that on the shelf over there. And if there anyone eventually does know how to use it, then we'll, it's making sure that it's not just equipment, it's putting in place the training, the mentoring for the teachers that are in the schools as well as putting in all of the right courses and the right, just showing people what's available at a really young age and influencing that and getting to the parents as well because they also, it's going to take ages to change the culture. Is I was talking to a lady in whose background, she comes from, I think it's Iran. And in Iran, it might be Afghanistan, it was, I think it was Iran, but one of the, This country that she came from, the norm, there was no gender assigned to any role. So everyone, women in the in they would look to do any of the same roles that men would typically apply for or decide to go for. Whereas obviously in this country it's completely different, isn't it? We're so used anyone can apply for different stuff now. But if an industry, you know, like construction, like engineering is just completely full of men, and that's your automatic bias is that that's the man's job and lots of people in these industries still probably think it makes it really difficult to one encourage anyone to go into it and then when they get into it the few people that do go into it are still experiencing those biases then it's not really a place where you feel safe is it
0: have you had to face up to that sort of bias at any point
1: i mean you have instances of of things i think by and large seems as a great place to work but ultimately there are pockets of people anywhere aren't there that yeah don't do things in the right way I mean there was one instance I was over in Germany and someone was shaking everybody's hand and it was a big but big group of blokes and I was the only woman and he didn't shake my hand and I don't know if that was because one You thought I was a secretary. In which case, though, why would you not shake someone's hand anyway? That was that, and I remember it to this day because it annoys you now. I'd say a different word then, but I won't because we're on a podcast. But I mean, that's a small instance, but it makes you feel excluded. It makes you feel like you're not part of the gang, and so you think it doesn't really make you feel good about yourself. And you don't. I didn't say anything because, again, it's difficult to, isn't it? And I probably would now. (laughs) Put my hand out and be like
0: hi i'm sarah but you say small incident now it obviously wasn't a small incident because it's still very much stuck in your head and and if you're talking also about younger girls young women looking at entry points to different careers and that one little thing happens that somebody may not even notice that they did that can be enough for trigger to say forget it i don't want to go down that route so there are many cultural Issues that do just put stoppers on younger students, saying "I'm not that type of person. I'm not mathsy. I'm not engineery." It's just they rule things out like that. Let alone if they come across rude idiots like you met.
1: But I think it's just a touch upon what you said there about. I think you know, if someone thinks like, "Oh, I'm not mathsy." Then I was reading. I read this book by Carol Dweck, and Siemens has gone all in for the growth mindset. But it really hit home for me because it's like where you are now is just the beginning. You can learn anything that you want to. And it's all about putting the effort in. It's all about asking people for help and having that passion and throwing yourself into it and not thinking, right, the skills that I have right now, oh, they're the things that I'm good at. And so that's what I've got to do. Actually thinking, okay, there's something over there you don't know anything about but if you put your mind to it and you fail and you keep going and you try a different way and you fail yet you learn something and then you keep going then you can do whatever you want so but you've got to put the effort in you've got to ask for help and be willing to know you are going to fail at some stuff but if you keep putting the effort in you'll get there but I only discovered that like but when I read that book I was like because there's so many ways and I totally recommend book because she talks about how parents talk to their children. So, for example, I can't think of an example now, I've got to say it, but like, yeah, it's not praising the outcome, it's praising the effort. So say someone does a great a picture, but they spent a lot of time doing it, you know, instead of saying, Mark, what a brilliant, amazing picture, everyone's going to love that. That could sell at a gallery, it's so fantastic. Actually, Mark, that is amazing. The amount of effort that you must have put in to that, you know, it's amazing that you've just gone back to it, you've tweaked, you've seen that you could get maybe a different shading over here, and then you've thought about it, and then you've gone back to it again, and you've really worked so hard at that. And the difference between those, you know, whereas like you might have come away from the first one thinking, Oh my god, art, I have to be good at art. Art is the main thing that I am good at because someone's told me I'm good at it, and I had a really good result, but actually. It was the effort that you put it. You know, if you praise the effort, you can apply that to anything else. Yeah, so I really like that. I love that way of thinking, which yeah, wasn't my way of thinking before.
0: <laughs> and what skills then do you think you've got now that you've developed since your Loughborough University days that maybe you didn't think you'd either need or didn't think you were skilled in that area?
1: Yeah, I think... People skills. So, being able to develop relationships with people, being able to give constructive and effective feedback. That if people can master that or work really hard on that, it would serve you no end. Because no matter where you go, in wherever business, whatever industry, ultimately you're dealing with people, and you're developing relationships with people, and you need to be able to communicate well you know, admit when you're wrong. And so yeah, I think a lot of the times, like one of the things I've learned over the way is I'll take the blame for stuff because a lot of the times, you know, people end up arguing about things and I'm like, look, we can blame me. If we can move on, that'd be fantastic. And let's get to the actual fundamental bit, which is how can we solve the problem and how can we make ourselves better? Um, you know, let's not spend time arguing about who was to blame unless something, you know, getting to the root cause of it. Yeah, definitely want to do that because then we can improve and we can learn. But yeah, so I'd say effective communication, being able to give feedback is so important. I think they're the main ones, working with people and figuring out that you have to be different in different situations. So it depends, everyone's different. So you have to have that situational awareness. You can't just go into every meeting or every scenario. And be exactly the same. You have to figure out the room. You have to figure out who you're working with. How do they best work? And figuring out yourself how do you work best? What works for you and what doesn't? But be open about that and communicate it. And then you can figure it out with those people and give them feedback and be open to receiving feedback. Because I think when most of us hear the words like, oh, you know, can we have a chat? I need to give you some feedback. Like dreadful. Dread. <laughs> Bills you doesn't it? You're like, oh my sweet life, what is this going to be?
0: Can I see you in my office? Yeah, shortly. Yeah. Like... quick
1: meeting, quick catch up. You're like, oh my god, what is this?
0: And do you think there are, if your 20 year old self could see you now, do you think there are things they would be surprised by in in a good way?
1: I think more confident than I was then. I think when you're younger, well, maybe not as many people now, but like when I was younger. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't confident in myself. And part of that comes with you get experience, don't you? And But yeah, believing that you can do it if you put the work in, if you ask people for help. So yeah, I think, oh my God, I can't believe she's more com- Well, not fully confident. There's always something, isn't there, like we said. But yeah, I'm a lot more confident than I used to be anyway.
0: And are you still following the F1 that got you interested in the first place?
1: I took a dip when there was no overtaking so there was a period in f1 where there was just no overtaking and anyway in the last year my husband colin and i have, have really got back into it so yeah like because i used to go all the time We used to go to silverstone Grand Prix, me and my sister and then i just lost interest and then yeah we've picked it up in the last year so not we're all me and we're big alonso fans like rooting for aston martin all the time so yeah
0: yeah and- Lewis Hamilton, of course, has set up an initiative over the last couple of years to try and encourage people from certainly less represented communities in F1 to understand about opportunities and career pathways. And that. So There are so many organizations and companies trying to show actually how roots into engineering in all of its forms, software engineering, hardware engineering, everything around that, can be a fascinating route to take because it's not just about being a more scientifically sort of focused engineer. It's about, as you do now, it's commercial skills, it's people skills. You're doing selling at the moment, you're doing business leadership as well. So it it encompasses pretty much everything you could want to do once you got that platform. And you're generally going to fix problems and make things better as well. And if, if anything then, from what are the real highlights for you? What are the, the sort of one or two things you're just thinking, that was a great moment or that was a huge success for the team?
1: When I was in Coggleton, we won a global Werner von Siemens award. And it was like a culmination of probably like six years work of transforming the factory, bringing in a lot more digital tools and automation, robotics, So that was really nice because it was a nice recognition for all of the team for all the hard work because it's hard work a lot of the time. But, you know, it's nice to get that global sort of not easy to win a global Siemens award. And so to be part of that was lovely because it was nice recognition for everybody that was involved. And it also helped cement our place from a UK manufacturing facility as we're part of this bigger network that's achieved this huge program of work and done it in collaboration with our Chinese factory and the German factory that's in our network as well. So that was really nice. It was just a nice... But yeah, like so many different things, but a lot more around around the people in Congleton because they're just fantastic. It's such a nice group of people there. They're not in Manchester. I just don't know them as well. But yeah, in Congleton... You know, just people are willing to go the extra mile. It's what makes up that factory is the fact that people care, that there's generations of families that work there. They want to be a factory in there for the next generation of their families that work there. And so, yeah, there's so many different times like that we've all pulled together to pull things out of the bag, to make sure that we're spending all the capital that we've got, to we're getting stuff out the door on time for our customers and all the people in Hoggleton are just awesome
0: i think so what you've done is in our conversation now is you've painted a fascinating picture of what working in engineering is actually like in contrast to what so many people might think it like it's like because the words you've used are about people they're about creativity they're about innovation they're about teams not necessarily all the things that people are going to think of when they think of maybe a bloke in a hard hat and so i think it's just wonderfully enlightening and refreshing for people to listen go actually there are so many opportunities here and you said something as well about you can learn anything you want to and i think that is probably the message i would take away most of all from this it's been really interesting to listen there is one final question, which you know I'm going to ask really, which is about carrying this baton of careers insight forward. And if there's one other person you could you could recommend who if we can unwrap their career story, it would be really interesting to listen to.
1: Yeah, I would totally recommend Dr. Megan Ronane. She works through Innovate UK and she's really inspiring. So she leads one of the teams around manufacturing and materials i think is her title so yeah she's definitely an inspiring person that would be well worth the chat
0: brilliant thank you so it's nice to have met you today thank you for your time it's been really interesting and lovely to have you on the show
1: thank you for having me it's been a pleasure
0: This podcast is sponsored by We Are Futures. To find out more about We Are Futures and how we can introduce your brand, business or organisation to the mass markets of tomorrow, visit www.wearefutures.com. Make sure to search for Careers Unwrapped in Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Remember to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at We Are Futures,
0: thanks for listening.